Welcome back to Toronto. Today, here on TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, the iHeartRadio app. I'm Andy McNamara with you until 1 o'clock. And then again this evening for CFL Weekly at 7 p.m. here on TSN 1050. Some breaking news. Bob McKenzie is out of his summer hiatus, hibernation, to report on Twitter at TSN Bob McKenzie. Ryan Ellis has signed an eight-year extension with the Preds. Quote the tweet here. It says, great news for Nashville. Not so great news for any of the other 30 teams that were planning on UFA shopping in 2019. Defenseman Ryan Ellis has agreed to an eight-year extension with the Preds. Average annual value of $6.25 million. Extension kicks in for the 1920 season. So that was a name kicking around. 27 years old, Ryan Ellis. Looks like he's going to be a Nashville Predator for the rest of of his career. So Ellis locked down. I would have liked to have seen him with the Leafs. That would have been nice. But yeah, for like that's that's the the when it comes to like front line or or good to very good defensemen even in the National Hockey League, if you got one, you lock them down cuz they are tough to find. So the Preds keeping Ellis in their organization and everybody else has to look elsewhere. So Bob McKenzie reporting that officially uh, let's get to our Twitter poll here. At TSN 1050 Radio on Twitter, at AndyMC81. Leafs training camp is now less than a month away. Expectations at an all-time high. Which Maple Leaf has the most pressure on them to have a great season? Austin Matthews, John Tavares, the front office coach combo of Babcock and Dubas, or goaltender Freddie Anderson. Leading the way, 37% John Tavares. Then it's Babcock and Dubas at 23%, tied at 20 Matthews and Anderson uh, got on Twitter at Fish Price says I chose Babs and Dubes, but the real answer is Gardner. Lee fans have him under a microscope unfairly, in my opinion, and that's why I don't think that the most pressure is on Gardner because the pressure has always been on Gardner. It's always there, but really, if you're a Leaf fan, like, what do you expect Jake Gardner to do next year? He's probably going to be pretty much the same that he's always been. Guy who can flash offense, going to make the odd dumb mistake on defense, and hopefully he comes out somewhere in between. I was thinking also maybe Morgan Riley, but again, is what are your realistic expectations of him? Like, do you really expect him to jump up and be a legitimate, true number one pairing? Guy, I don't think so. Like, they're good defensemen. So that's why I'm not putting... Gardner or Riley in that conversation, but Fish Price says that Gardner is there. At M.M. Markwell uh, says, obviously Babcock has the most pressure. He's got the tools. Now use them. Set the players free. No more hockey talk about using certain guys more because they are good people. And that's that old school feel with Babcock. I'm fascinated to see how this blend really goes because you had Lou Lamorello as that, that buffer and you don't get too much more old school than Lou. With Dubas, though, new age, in part analytics. I'm not going to paint him as he only looks at uh, uh, analytics. That's not fair. He blends it all together. But when you hear sometimes Babcock, oh, good guy, hardworking guy, like those old hockey terms, you need to have that blend. I wonder how that combo with Kyle Dubas as the lead guy now is going to go. Like If there'll be any, any conflict. Uh, Enigma on Twitter also saying Babcock. So a lot of Babcock support, but in the voting category, it's all on Tavares. Certainly the paycheck points that way. 
like, what are people expecting out of John Tavares? Do you think 50 goals, right? Like, like, what are people expecting coming in? I just want that center depth right down the middle to be strong and give you the flexibility that if Matthews has an off night, Tavares picks him up. Tavares has an off night, Matthews picks him up. And you mix and match the Marners, the Nylanders, and, and you just sprinkle everything around power play, even strength, and just see what you can get. So the voting category says John Tavares. Uh, producer Joe Narcy, you went with Babcock Dubas too, right? That's what the Twitter... Yeah, specifically Babcock. Kyle Dubas right now, I think the John Tavares signing has given him, taken a lot of pressure off. His first... Oh, he's golden to me, man. Like, yeah. That, the thing about this, Lou Lamorello leaves. What's Kyle Dubas going to do? Can he handle it? Was he in charge? Was it all Lou? Not only does he land Tavares, he takes him away from his mentor. That's cold-blooded. Yeah, and he proved that he was able to use the new way, the new age of attracting a player to a team. And he spoke to uh, a lot of the organizations that helped Toronto FC get Sebastian Jovinko mm-hmm. and create this video to kind of enamor John Tavares and what would it be like to be a Toronto Maple Leaf. It wasn't about selling him on the organization. It was on selling him what he could be in the organization. Right. Kyle Dubas was able to buy himself a lot of time because a lot of general managers are defined by their first moves, and it's crazy to think that. But when I say Brian Burke and Maple Leafs, you automatically will think Phil Kessel. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's true, Joe. Or Dion Phaneuf. Your first big move. Your first big move. So for Tavares doing that, uh, for Dubas signing Tavares, and then ultimately what happens once the season starts, now of course... Dubas is going to keep looking for talent, trades, etc. But once the regular season starts, then the pressure's on the head coach. That's the guy who's there every day. That's the guy who's setting lines. So when the season actually starts, games start counting, Dubas can be like, I put everybody down there. You look up and down that lineup. That's pretty solid. And like, let's take an example that's in the NFL. So Bill Belichick has superstar players, yes. Does he have a lot of them? No. Actually, no. Has he turned a lot of players from the waiver wire into stars? Yes. And that is a sign that Bill Belichick is a great head coach in the NFL. Sure. That's the same of Greg Popovich, who t- who's taken players like Matt Bonner, who's mm-hmm. taken players that have been unable to be anything more than a fringe player elsewhere to be a legitimate competitor and good player for the San Antonio Spurs. Puts them in the system gets the right people in, you can bring in when you have that solid leader base, that foundation, and let's be honest, the tradition of winning. If you go to the Patriots, you go to the Spurs, you go to win, and that's where the mindset goes. That's why a guy like Randy Moss, the Patriots, problem child everywhere else, don't hear a peep out of him. And when you look at Mike Babcock, and this isn't me being negative on him, I do think he's a fantastic coach, but it's very hard to find a player that was not an elite talent that you could point at Mike Babcock hmm. and say, you know what, Babcock was able to make this person more elite. The only player I've, I, could, I can remember that came through Mike Babcock and had a moment in time where he was one of the better players on the team was uh, Johan Franzen. Yeah. Because until you... Until, Babcock and Franzen came up together. Now again, like it's not that Franzen wasn't talented in his own right, but I but think you have Babcock, the right guy to bring it, it out. You have to have the right guy to bring it out. Exactly. Right now, 
Mike Babcock's job is very simple. You need to find a way to squeeze blood out of the rocks that you have on defense. Right. And if you can't do that, then on some level it's still your fault because Kyle Dubas right now cannot acquire defensemen that are good enough without hurting the organization and that's why I assume the Leafs have not done it. Well, and that's and you look again and you're not you have one less name on the market for next year even with Ryan Ellis being locked down by the Nashville Predators. So, when you see what the Leafs have done and put together with Kyle Dubas, now it's about Mike Babcock working, as you said, Joe, working with what he has on defense, but really the whole lineup. You can have star guys. Look at the New York Rangers for years in the early 90s. They just loaded up on free agents, name guy after name guy after name guy, and did nothing. They got the one cup, but surrounding that before and after, loaded up, nothing. You just can't pile a bunch of stars or a bunch of talented guys in there. You need guidance. You need the right combos. You need to make moves on the fly. Mid-game, after games, heading in, a combo of patience, letting things grow, but not too patient and stubborn, and making changes. That's what Mike Babcock is tasked with. So he's in second place on the poll, 24%. John Tavares at 36%. You can vote at TSN 1050 Radio at AndyMC81 on Twitter. We'll get back to the poll in a little bit. Still to come in the show, Paul Jones, TSN 1050 Raptors, play-by-play voice at 1220. Go over this Raptors offseason, what we can expect in the East. And I'll ask him, are the Celtics really the favorites with the changes that they need to make coming into the season and where he ranks the Raptors? Let's go back to the NFL here, though. Aaron Rodgers has been quite outspoken against his receivers group, and he's called himself, maybe I'm getting a little cranky, but he's called out receivers in practice, saying that the... Uh, not the starters per se, but the the backups not trying hard enough, loafing. He's back in Aaron Rodgers. Listen, he he feels the time clock kind of ticking on him a little bit, right? Now he's still in his prime, and talent wise, boy, you could argue it's it's him and Brady. But at 34 years old, he can still have a long career. But now the prime, it's go time, and he's got the one Super Bowl with all that talent in him. He doesn't want to fall, uh, fall into the Brett Favre category of, wow, he only won one Super Bowl? They could have had more? Aaron Rodgers not taking any nonsense whatsoever from his receiving core. And he spoke, uh, when, when did he speak, Joe? Is it yesterday that he was speaking? Yeah. Uh, on his receivers, and, and he's not happy. Aaron Rodgers not happy. We'll get the sound in a second there. Rodgers talking. Now, it was a couple, it was, I think, last week where he called out for the poor work ethic right after practice. He was frustrated. And he's like, and that's where he said, maybe I'm a little cranky. But he's, he keeps talking, and maybe the message has not been received by his receiver group. Aaron Rodgers at the Green Bay Packers saying he hopes his receivers aren't soft. I hope we're not that soft. I hope we can, you know, have hear comments or read comments and not get offended by things. It's a, it's a professional environment. It's not a personal environment. Um, the things I'm saying, and I don't have some vendetta against any player. I care about winning, number one. And I'm going to say and do the things I feel like can advance us. It's going to be tough at some points. It's not a popularity contest uh, all the time. You know, obviously, you know, as a human, you like being liked and appreciated, but I'm trying to win games. Because that's my that's my job, you know. I'm not I'm not you know asked or needed to make personnel decisions, coaching decisions, 
uh, schedule decisions. My job is to play quarterback, so that's what they're paying me to do, and uh, I feel like uh, you know I've uh, made them pretty happy. So I'm gonna keep doing what I'm doing. I love that out of Aaron Rodgers. If you're in that Packers team and that doesn't motivate you to run through a wall, and if you're still loafing after hearing that, you should be cut. I don't care who you are. Straight away. Coaching staff should cut him. I disagree. What? Aaron Rod- Joe, Aaron Rodgers is saying, I'm here to win games. I'm not here to okay. put up with crap. I'm back. I'm coming from an injury. I'm putting forward 100%. Yeah. So I want everything out of that receiving core. I love it. Right. Okay. But now let's look at his receiving core and... Can we really question their toughness? Randall Cobb has had how many knee surgeries in the last like three to f- three or four years? I think it was two. Yeah, and he's he's looking pretty ordinary. He's more of a possession guy right okay. now. Okay, Devonte Adams basically got his head bashed in twice last season and still played after suffering like a, a significant concussion, and a small concussion. Yep. Jimmy Graham is made of crystal wrapped in tissue paper. <laughs> that if he's healthy, that's a great weapon. But boy, you can't. You can't rely on Ty him. Ty Montgomery almost had like season-ending surgery three times. And he's slotted everywhere, running back, receiver, slot. And then you look at the depth chart, and like really he's expecting Geronimo Allison to make huge plays for him. Like I, I What do- about Adonis Jennings, Joe? Sure. <laughs> he sounds like he can catch a ball. What about Jamon Moore, Joe? Yeah, him too. <laughs> the hardest name in football, Euquanimius St. Brown, who... If I'm a Green Bay Packer commentator, I hope he gets cut because that name sounds terribly hard to say. Yeah, that is a rough one. But Downfield, you could name And he catches it. And he can, you know the guy. But to, I don't know. I just think, I don't disagree that he wants to win. I understand that. But he's calling out players on something they can't control. And to say that he wants them to be tough and he wants them to play through it, well, you know what? You're not the. You're not getting hit as much as they are, and all of these guys have been out for significant reasons. They're not out for, like, a bump and a bruise. Now, in fairness to Rodgers, after his first comments, I think, last week, where he was saying um, the players he wasn't happy with the effort level, he called out guys who were playing well, which included Adams, Cobb, and Allison. So what it seems to me, Joe, is it's more the 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 third receiver, fourth receiver, fifth guy, the depth guys who aren't trying, which makes no sense to me because if you're a depth guy who's on the bubble or maybe a special team, you're like a Jake Kumaro, who the heck is that out of UW-Whitewater? Guys like that seem to me to be who he's targeting as not trying. And if you're a bubble guy, you should be playing your butt off anyway to try to make this roster. But you know, like when it comes to football, I feel like you can see every position tends to be their own click. Yeah. And they don't take kindly to the other positions criticizing them. Mm-hmm. The only person that's ultimately on an island is the quarterback. And especially when you have an elite quarterback who his backup is only there if in case something happens. Yeah, he's sitting down like with a coffee like, oh, crap. Yeah, like, oh, Rogers no, I'm playing. Down. Exactly. Yeah. So I think, to your point, sure, he may be calling out the depth receivers, but on some level... Wouldn't you feel as if Devontae Adams and Cobb and all those guys would be sitting there at some point being like, okay, well, I understand you praised this yesterday, but like, don't come out and say we're soft. Don't keep saying that. Because yeah. at some level, well, like we have to catch the ball that you throw to us. And if you throw to us in a bad position, it just seems like the type of situation where somebody's t- toughness and willing to win sometimes might poison an attitude of the of the franchise and the organization. Like, you see Brady on the field, yes, he barks, he complains, he whines, he cries, he moans. But off the field, 
Yeah, he doesn't. He never calls anybody out. No. He says, I need to be better. My receiving cores are there. I need to throw them the ball. I need to get the ball in their hands. But, Joe, maybe that's, maybe Rodgers feels the case is so bad that he needs to try to motivate these guys. Who knows? I guess so. But, I mean, in a situation saying, yeah. where you lose, where you lose uh, Jordy Nelson last year after mm-hmm. the injury and Aaron Rodgers was pissed off about that. I would say it seems more like he's frustrated with the organization than about the players, but I think he's mis yeah. he's misfiring his aggression at the wrong guys. Right, then that could be. Because adding in a guy like Marquez Valdez Scanting, a free fantasy football tip for you guys, uh, uh, don't draft him. Rookie out of South Florida. The group does not look overwhelming. Now, of course, when you got a guy like Aaron Rodgers, he can make everybody look good. And anybody look good. But it's going to be a big year for Devontae Adams, man. Like, that's... Randall Cobb is a possession guy. Adams is now the one. He's the X receiver. That's He's going to have to be the go-to guy. Be interesting to see who steps up. Uh, we'll step aside and talk some Raptors when we return. Paul Jones, TSN 1050, Raptors play-by-play voice after this on Toronto Today. Back to Toronto today here on TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca. I'm Andy McNamara with you until 1 o'clock then. The Scott MacArthur Show with Scott MacArthur takes over. Overdrive later in the day at 4 o'clock. Talk a little Raptors here, folks. We're talking about the Leafs training camp under a month away. Raptors season will be here before we know it. And this, arguably, the most important season in Raptors history. To talk about that and what can we, we can expect on the court, Paul Jones, TSN 1050 Raptors play-by-play voice. Jonesy, how's it going, man? I'm great, man. I'm great. Oh, excellent. Glad to have you on. And for the Raptors, all the talk with the last week or so, Kawhi sending the message to via social media, thanking the San Antonio Spurs fans, but nothing to Toronto. Is that is that a concern to you if he doesn't really address or send something similar to Toronto? Is that more of a, a media thing, or is that something where you think, all right, maybe this isn't isn't a, a great look, and, and maybe that will affect how he plays on the court? Uh, I don't I don't think so. Um, you know, I, I don't know him, but knowing the kind of guy he is, I, I don't think that's an issue. Um, I, I don't remember the post. I'm not looking at it, but... Was there something in there saying I'm looking forward to the next chapter? I mean, no. It was just like, "Thank you, San Antonio." It was very generic. He probably didn't even write it. It was like, maybe, yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. just very, you know, "Thank you for everything, everybody." Da da da, and then you know, that's it. And and you know what? If if that's the case, uh, Andy, in that sense, then uh, like I said, knowing from what I know of him, the way he is, and a quiet kind of soft-spoken guy. I would I wouldn't read anything into it. Look, Toronto's Toronto's got their work cut out in terms of convincing him to stay. But you know, as, as people have a lot of, I'm not the first one to say this. As a lot of people have said, you know, what other way do you get a top five player if he's not coming to you in free agency? Well, you trade for him and then you know go on the recruitment and retention battle and and see if you can get him to stay. So yeah. uh, I, I wouldn't read anything into you know thanking. You know, San Antonio and not saying anything about Toronto because, I, you know, again, from what I know, I think that's just the way he is. And Jonesy, from Kawhi's standpoint, and Isaiah Thomas got into the news yesterday with his uh, regrettable comments against Cleveland and he was going back on it, whatever. But there was a guy, and he wasn't at the same level of Kawhi Leonard, but I think there's a might be a comparison here, where here's a guy who was set to get a max deal, he was balling out, hurts his hip, 
injury comes back, not the same guy, and now he is in a prove-it mode in Denver. For Kawhi Leonard, even if this guy plays for himself to get that next big contract, to get that max deal, if he plays for himself and does well, that means the Raptors are going to have a great season. Yeah, yeah, no, and that's just it. And, and you know, in not the same way, uh, because he's got a little bit more history, he's in a prove-it mode, too. And, yeah. and as you said, he's, he, and, and who benefits from that? Toronto. And, you know, if they can, again, as I said, go about convincing him uh, to stay. And, you know, I've, I've heard reports out there where people said, wait till he comes to Toronto. He's going to come to Toronto and, and fall in love with the place. And, um, you know, it's not from a weather standpoint. It's not San Antonio. It's not L.A. But go look at that map of NBA teams. 30 teams. I'd say 16 of them are cold weather teams. Yeah. I mean, it's no, it's no party in, in Milwaukee or Minnesota <laughs> or, no. or heck, even New York or Boston or Chicago at, at, you know, at wintertime in the middle of December. So uh, it, it's been put out there on Twitter a few times by people. Geez, lots of snow in Boston. It's fine here in Toronto today. <laughs> yeah. Just to remind people that, uh, yeah, if you're, if you're above that weather line, I think we counted 16 of the 30 teams you would consider cold weather and 14 you would consider warm weather. And, you know, even that's debatable. So um, it's up to Toronto to convince him to stay. And you know what? He's, he's, he's got to play. I mean, he, he's got a lot on his shoulders right now in terms of expectations, not only for himself, but for what he well, what people are hoping he will do here in Toronto in terms of getting the team forward and moving them along on, you know, on, their, on their pursuit of a championship. In conversation with Paul Jones, play-by-play voice of the Raptors here on TSN 1050 on Twitter at Paul underscore Jones. So, Jonesy, the lost man in that deal, of course, Danny Green. When you look at the Raptors depth chart on ESPN, you got Kawhi Leonard, of course, uh, starting as well as Danny Green. And this guy, again, some of his own injury histories as well terrific defender, can hit the three ball. Like, that might be the lost man where if Kawhi's playing well and Danny Green is, boy, that elevates the team to another level, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And, and I've said this before. that uh, You know, I was at the finals, the first one where uh, San Antonio, you know, gave it away to Miami. And after the first three games of that series, the name on everybody's lips in terms of MVP was, uh, you know, was Danny Green. Hmm. So, uh, you know, it, it, it wouldn't surprise me to see him play really well. Um, he's a veteran player. Uh, he understands his role. He understands what he's, you know, what's expected of him. So, it, it, look, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of the throw-in. I mean, San Antonio's in the same situation in terms of Jakob Pertl. I mean, the, the Rosen was the big name in the trade, but... All of a sudden now you, you look at Pirtle, uh, who some scouts I talked to think that he could eventually be better than Valanchunas. Um, you know, they, they might have one of those two. So never discount the other guys put into the deal. Yeah, exactly. And that's, it's all about with this Raptors team. What did we talk about last year? They're so deep on the bench. They're so deep. If you, if you take in Kawhi, obviously, as an overall talent, no doubt better than DeMar DeRozan. But if we take him out and start looking at the depth of this team, adding Danny Green as a starter, and the rest of the depth, do you feel this Raptors club is deeper than last year? 
Uh, it's debatable, but they're certainly not any worse off. Right. I mean, you know, they, sure, they, they, they lost Perto, but, um, you know, you pick up Greg Monroe, uh, you, you maybe you, you got more shooting in terms of Danny Green. I, I always thought one of the things that, that hampered the Raptors at times last year was they wanted to be a three-point shooting team. They upped the attempts, they upped the makes, but... Uh, if the ball movement wasn't there, they didn't have three-point shooters. They didn't have guys who, who could create and get their own three-point shot. Um, so, you know, with Danny Green, you get, you get, in terms of the depth of shooting, you get a whole lot more from a guy who can really make shots. And then, you know, look, you've re-signed Fred Van Vliet. Uh, you're banking on... Uh, organic improvement, Andy. Guys getting mm-hmm. better over the summer, uh, getting better at their three-point shooting. Van Vliet, uh, DeLon Wright, uh, you know, Pascal Siakam had a lot of looks last year and couldn't knock them down. If he starts making that, uh, it's, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be, be tough to guard him. Um, and, and he'll add to that, you know, kind of shooting depth in that sense. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's debatable, but I, I think they're just as good on the bench, if if not maybe a little bit better. And as you said, if they can get some improvement, then, um, yeah, then it could, could be even better than last year. In conversation with Paul Jones, TSN 1050 Raptors play-by-play voice. So, Jonesy, let's go to the rest of the East. And uh, what was it, yesterday it was Jalen Brown or over the weekend of the Celtics saying, no doubt. Boston, we're going to the finals. And, of course, that rubs everyone the wrong way, and it's whatever, off-season talk. But what I was talking about here, Jonesy, is people are crowning the Celtics as, all right, this is the better team, Raptors, whatever. This Celtics team is going to have to adjust as a team drastically when Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward come back because they were gone. Everybody else stepped up, which was great. But it's not like you're going to bench those two. You put them back on the floor. Everybody else has to adjust to a new role. And to me, there's no guarantee in health for the Celtics or that everybody takes to that new role properly. Couldn't, couldn't agree with you more. Could not agree with you more. And I'll take it one step further. People always talk. Now, look, Kyrie Irving's a guy you can give him the ball and say, go get me a basket. But on the other side of that, people talk about the great ball movement by the Celtics. And it is. But it's tough to have that great ball movement when you've got a ball-dominant guy like Kyrie Irving. Great point. I mean, I, 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 I poked the bear on Twitter last year when he was still in the lineup, and they beat Golden State in Boston. And, uh, you know, he, he went, uh, I think on one possession, he went 17 dribbles by himself. Nobody else touched the ball and got wow. fouled. And I said, oh, man, got to love that great Celtics ball movement. And people were, people were jumping on me. But I was just trying to make the point that uh, at, at times you just, you just give it to your best guy and, and you kind of get out of the way. And um, you're right. Does that marginalize uh, a Jason Tatum, a Jalen Brown? Uh, what does it do to them? And, and uh, it, there's going to be some adjustments there. No question. There are going to be some adjustments there with Gordon Hayward coming back. He's a guy that again works off the the premise of ball movement, and you know he can get his he can get his own shot, but he's not getting it like Kyrie Irving. So uh, the Celtics have some adjusting to do. And as you said, the one thing Andy that can derail everything in a hurry is an injury. Yeah. You know, touch wood for the Raptors. Uh, they've been relatively healthy. Um, you know, haven't had any major injuries. Although you know the Van Vliet injury in, in Game 82 last year. Um, 
made it a little bit more difficult in the first round against Washington. But that being said, if you if you get a major injury and you're derailed, you're in trouble. For sure. And and Jonesy, when we last one for you here, when we look outside of Boston, it looks like it's typically in people's minds. Boston, Toronto, then Philly and Milwaukee and kind of others after that. For Philly, a lot of youth, a lot of potential, but they still haven't proven it. Do you think this is uh, the 76ers' year to take that next step up and join the Celtics and join the Raptors, or could they still be a year away from that? I think they still might be a year away. Uh, depends on how the youngsters develop. I mean, they, um, you know, they let go of a couple of veterans. Marco Bellinelli was huge for them. There's a guy I thought the Raptors could have had their hands on last year at the, uh, you know, at the, at the waiver uh, deadline when, when he was waived and, and kind of out there as a free agent. Um, my issue with Philadelphia is, uh, Andy, as young as they are, uh, they're really loose with the ball. And that can hurt you at, at key times. I mean, they gave away that, 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 that series against Boston. They gave away game three. You go back and look at that turnover with J.J. Redick and, and, and Ben Simmons. It was egregious. I mean, you just, you just can't have that in a playoff game. And I think Philadelphia's propensity to be fast and loose with the ball is something that might hurt them. Now, they may have gained some experience from that last year, but I, I still think they're they're – they're really, really young in some key spots. And if you're going to reintegrate a guy like Markel Folks, who didn't play a lot last year, I, I think you're, I don't know how many uh, steps forward you're going to take and how many gains you're going to take come playoff time, not the regular season, but come playoff time, uh, you know, when, like I said, you really, really have to value the ball. Jonesy, thank you so much, man. You'll be back uh, calling games before we know it. I'm, 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 uh, yeah, I'm, unless <laughs> uh, unless uh, something something happens unforeseen, like, you know, the... You know, the season doesn't start or something oh. like that. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, let's hope that doesn't happen. This is going to be way too exciting of a Raptors season. Thanks, Jonesy. Okay, man. All right, Paul Jones, TSN 1050, Raptors play-by-play voice. And when Jonesy was going over there off of my point of that nothing is guaranteed for the Celtics, Raptors, despite getting the top seed in the East last year, are still, at least in the States, I think viewed as an underdog and could surprise... All hinges, of course, on Kawhi Leonard. All of it. Kawhi's out, and I'm definitely leaning away from... Because when he first said, like, uh, maybe he won't be motivated to play. Guy's going to be motivated to play. He wants to get paid. He'll be, if he plays for himself, then he will play well, and the Raptors will benefit. Basketball's that type of sport. If he balls out, Raptors will be just fine. If Kawhi is not right physically, Raptors are not going to be very good. But you add him in with Danny Green, with the depth. Man, this Raptors team, I'll take him against Boston. Bring it. I'll take him. I don't think it's, it's going to be that big of a problem. With, from what Jonesy was going over, Kyrie Irving is guy who uh, and controlling the ball, ball hog. Likes to control it. What was Boston's strength? Moving the ball. Distribution. Well, how are they going to adapt to that? Nothing is guaranteed. Raptors have just as good a shot as anybody in the East, again, providing that Kawhi Leonard is there. Now, how long Kawhi Leonard is going to be with the Raptors? Well, that is a question. Now, we can't, we'll worry about next year, next year. All right, I'm ready for this season, focus, whatever. But long term, you give up DeMar DeRozan, it'd be nice to keep the guy. Frank Isola says the Clippers. Now, remember that Kawhi said he wants to go to Los Angeles, wanted to go to the Lakers. Well, if the Lakers aren't in the cards, 
Another L.A. team is the Clippers. Isola was saying why the Clippers believe that they can go get Kawhi. Doc Rivers, Jerry West, Lawrence Frank, they believe that they have an actual chance to get Kawhi Leonard. What's funny about it is Bruce Bowen said a lot of the things that we have said and yes. have been written about. The difference is we don't, in theory, work for the Clippers. And this, to me, this is probably 95% of the reason why they got rid of him. And I think, I think it's a sad commentary. I understand why they did it, though. This is the Clippers in a market where they're competing with the Lakers. The Lakers got LeBron. The Lakers are going to make a run at Kawhi. And the Clippers feel they have a chance because Kawhi doesn't want to play number two to LeBron. There you go. Kawhi Leonard maybe to the Clippers. Let's see how he plays out in Toronto first. Maybe we can shock the world and keep Kawhi Leonard. We'll step aside, wrap up the show next. Update on our Leafs Twitter poll, and here's some sound on the William Nylander contract negotiation. That's next, wrapping up Toronto Today on TSN 1050. Back to wrap up Toronto Today here on TSN 1050, TSN 1050.ca, the iHeartRadio app. I'm Andy McNamara. The Scott McCarthy Show takes over at the top of the hour. I'll be back tonight, 7 o'clock here on the station, for CFL Weekly. So much to talk about around the Canadian Football League. We'll get you set up for the Argos-BC Lions matchup. That is Saturday here on the station. But also the Deron Carter bizarre release. Now remember, Deron Carter is the son of Pro Football Hall of Famer Chris Carter. Released from the Saskatchewan Roughriders. All the talent in the world, but strangely released. Also, Johnny Manziel's second matchup. What we can expect moving forward from him. And swing around all the top storylines. We'll have Davis Sanchez from the CFL on TSN as a guest, as well as Scott Cullen from TSN.ca with CFL Fantasy Tips, Power Rankings. And then Belton Johnson from Saskatchewan. He played for the Riders, is on Saskatchewan Radio out there, covers the team with, I'd say, to talk about the Duran Carter situation, but producer Joe Narsa, can you think of a better Twitter handle than Belton Johnson's? It's at BJizzle56. Winner. That's pretty good. Winner. I'm, at BJizzle. Duran Carter's good, too. Is it DC Chillin' 8? It's DC Chillin'. That's pretty legit. But it's not BJizzle. BJizzle is very good. Great. So Belton Johnson there. That is 7 o'clock here on TSN 1050. You can follow me on Twitter at AndyMC. 81, the station at TSN 1050 Radio. Now, some news coming out of Miami in the NFL. Now, the Dolphins traded away Jarvis Landry, who, through his first four years in the NFL, has the most receptions, most catches in NFL history. The guy's hands, now he's with the Browns, and if you watch Hard Knocks, that first episode where he's motivating the wide receiver room, you're just ready to jump through a wall for the guy. It's phenomenal. Doesn't take days off, work ethic, hard Worker doesn't accept excuses, nothing. Real Aaron Rodgers mindset, I guess. Doesn't want, doesn't want soft players or people to take days off. With the Dolphins, you got rid of him, traded him away. So your main weapon becomes Devontae Parker. Well, for Ryan Tannehill, who's returning from injury after, the, uh, after Cutler filled in for last year, who's not that good of a quarterback anyway, Devontae Parker's out with a broken middle finger on his right hand and is expected out for some time for the Dolphins. That is bad news. That coming off of Ryan Tannehill the other day, uh, calling out a, I think it was the rookie running back who missed a blocking assignment. So quarterbacks getting lippy around the league. But when you look at the Dolphins, and with them, of course, you got Ryan Tannehill. uh, They extended him. You have Brock Osweiler on the roster. Gross. Bryce Petty. Oh, boy, that gets... I'm just looking at the roster here for the Dolphins. That quarterback group gets dirty in a hurry. David Fales 
who can't throw it across a desk. Brock Osweiler, who is six foot seven and is horrendous. And Bryce Petty, who has spent his career with the Jets, also terrible. And then you have Ryan Tannehill, who's average at best. You lose uh, Devontae Parker. Now you got Danny Amendola, but producer Joe Narsa, we see what happens when receivers who are great in New England leave. And unless you're going to an elite level situation like Wes Welker went to go to Peyton Manning and with the Broncos at the end of his career, often whoosh, nosedive. Danny Amendola is the top target now for the Miami Dolphins. That's a lot to put on a, a generously listed five foot eleven, thirty two year old receiver. Not to mention one who hasn't been very healthy as of the last what four Ever? years? Yeah. He's a ten year vet. Thirty two years old, man. After that. This is so Devontae Parker out with a middle finger. A real make it break it year. They the Dolphins could look to go in a different direction after Tannehill this season. He's thirty years old, man. The guy ain't good. He's not good. Seven year vet. Average. But now this is going to get tougher. After Amendola, slot guy, if he can stay on the field. Leonte Carew. Who? Isaiah Ford. Who? Yakeem Grant. Malcolm Lewis. Now, I do like Malcolm Lewis, but he's, again, more of a possession guy. He's not going to be somebody you can really push to go win a game for you. Drew Morgan. Nobody. Francis Owusu. Eh. Parker out with the middle finger. Rashawn Scott. Kenny Stills, who flashed last year. But can you rely on him big time? I don't think so. Albert Wilson after that. Tight ends, average Gavin Escobar. You know, Mike, now, I do like this. Mike Gesicki, watch for this guy. And here's a fan. We're going to talk fantasy football on the show tomorrow. Mike Gesicki, this guy out of Penn State, tight end, 6'6 rookie. I loved him at the Senior Bowl and at the Combine. I think this guy's going to be a game game changer. If you look at somebody who you can get off of the waiver wire, likely, as a depth tight end for your fantasy team, Gusecki's going to be sick, and that might be a nice outlet for Tannehill because the tight end group doesn't jump out at you. Escobar's just a guy. Marquise Gray, he doubles between a tight end and a fullback. So, without Devontae Parker, who has been able to be a big play guy, but, you know, where would you put him as far as wide receivers go? Doesn't look that good. Joe, what do you think of the Dolphins without Devontae Parker, considering Ryan Tannehill hasn't played since 2016, where he threw for under 3,000 yards in, in 13 games, and has never really looked great at all? I think the Dolphins have had the problem in the last few years. Well, they've had a lot of problems over the last yeah. like 30 years, but their wide receivers have always been a boomer bust, home run type of receivers like you looked at the Mike Wallace, Devontae Parker. Like right. they, yeah, they're fast and they yeah, they can't catch the ball, but they're not great route runners and they're not guys that can catch the ball inside. And Ryan Tannehill has proven two things. One, he's unproven and two, he gets hurt. And he's thirty years old. So exactly. at what point are you like, okay, he's he's just doesn't have it. Like he's okay. He kind of falls into the Andy Dalton category. Is that fair? A guy. Yeah, he's just a starting quarterback in the NFL, which is a great thing to be. But sure. it's the problem is the Dolphins look like for the last two years, I felt like they're a team that just needs to just start over. Yeah, they're kind of hanging on. Yeah, the Jay Cutler thing was the proof. Like when Ryan Tannehill goes down, you have one year. Try and make some moves to make yourself better next year. Yeah. And instead, they bring like dopey Jay Cutler in. And the guy <laughs> is just brutal. Yeah. He constantly looks hungover. That show he's on with his wife. What's it called? The uh, being Cutler. 
No, it's uh, it's her name, whatever the heck it is. Oh, oh, yeah, something Cavallari. What? Yeah, yeah, Cavallari. That's it. Yeah, because she was on some show. Uh, Cutler wins at fantasy television. Have you seen any of that? No, all I know is every time I see it a commercial, great. every time I see a commercial of it, she stares at him, and he's just like really tired. He's always tired. He's always it's, being a jerk. Yeah, just he's not like a very personable guy. No, he's like his fr- her friends are terrified of him because she's like, "Can you be nice to my friends?" Like, no. He's just, he's like what you pictured Jay Cutler being, and then he, he is, and it's hilarious. It's really funny. The show is called Very Cavalier. There you go. The best part is she's trying to, like, look at my fashion line, and everyone just loves how awful Cutler is. Have you seen Jay Cutler and Kristen Cavallari on The League? Yes. They are hilarious. On they the are. He's very. That's probably the highlight of his career because nothing was intercepted through the process of making God. that show. Wow. Wow. But. Jay Cutler's, when he was in his prime, had a higher ceiling than Ryan Tannehill, who, and I'm not discounting throwing for over 4,000 yards in the NFL. You hit that magic 4,000 mark, that's a feat. But 27 touchdowns, 12 picks in 2014. Think how long ago that was. 24 and 12 in 2015, coming off of a major injury. You see all the time quarterbacks take time to adjust. He's 30 years old, he's got the contract, but they're just middling. They're just middling, and that's how the Patriots love it, right? AFC East, Buffalo, I can't see how Buffalo does not take a step back with their average, at best, quarterback situation. Not to mention LaShawn McCoy. Ooh, that's because we, messy. Nobody knows what's going on with that. No. And the last I read, there was a report that he was being sued by his former girlfriend. For some sort of break, yeah, break and enter thing. It's I, very, like, kind of, you don't, there's not much information as to how he's connected no. to it, but... It's just another situation for the Buffalo Bills, and LaShawn McCoy is, hands down, the most electrifying player they've had in the last 10 years. Oh, yeah, he's he's the reason that offense did anything. Right, and now you have, if you look at, okay, so LaShawn McCoy, 30 years old. Well, we know the timeline for running backs in the NFL. Typically, past 28, you're, you're playing with fire. You got Chris Ivory, who's been okay with the Jets like right like if you have McCoy and Ivory Ivory has a secondary option in the backfield I like that but he's also 30 years old in the running back room then you just got a bunch of guys so if you don't have a running game or LaShawn McCoy rightfully so distracted or he falls off he remember he's been worked hard that's your workhorse guy he's been worked to the bone at some point Father Time's going to smack him in the mouth. Maybe they'll bring back Fred Jackson. Oh, Freddie. Yes. But, Joe, here's what I, I don't understand with the Buffalo Bills. Bills fans, Tyrod Taylor's not good enough. He doesn't, he just, he's safe. He doesn't, he can't win you a game. All of which is true. Guy got you to the playoffs for the first time since 99. So you kick him out. Say, get out of here. Trade him to Cleveland. And I'll take him. I have a terrible quarterback play. You replace him with A.J. McCarron who's been a backup to Andy Dalton. Now, he's going to look to prove it, but they're saying in camp, in Bill's camp, oh, he's protecting the ball. That's good. You had that in Tyrod. You ran him out of town. Then you have Nathan Peterman, who if there is a, if someone just exhales too loudly, his ball flutters in the air. Peterman is terrible. I don't want to hear about this game manager. T- terrible. Nathan Peterman might make a good head coach one day. Yeah. Third string quarterback. Then you got the wild card. Josh Allen, 6'5", 222, looks like a quarterback. Wild as heck, though. That accuracy. I don't see how the Bills come back and make the playoffs this year. 
considering the wide receiver core outside of Kelvin Benjamin, who really has been inconsistent. And overrated. Totally overrated. To be honest with you, when you watch Kelvin Benjamin, he reminds me more of a tight end than a wide receiver. Yeah. He's just very physical, doesn't Red get to darling. where he needs to be. Exactly. Makes a big catch when there's no space for the secondary, yeah. which is fine. But at 6'5", and Cam Newton tossing you the ball, the amount of balls he drops and he's unable to yep. get to them. He's a heavy guy. Is and his fifth year, 245. That's that's thick for a receiver. And blew out his knee, what, two years ago? Yeah, and then came back, and, and th- th- that's when the Bills got him, right? He was kind of coming back from that. And I'm surprised as well, like, that with the... Oh, my God, why am I blanking on the wide receiver they got Zay from the Jones? Eagles? No. Oh. Uh, uh, they got Corey Coleman from the Browns, Andre Holmes... Got picked up seven year vet. Dupre. No, I oh, Curly? No, no, they got him a couple years ago when the Eagles traded for uh, Ronald Darby. Oh. Oh. Anyways. I forget. They just haven't been able to attract the they haven't been able to attract any game changing talent, and the one player they've they've had that can do that in LaShawn McCoy has now might be out or Who just knows? not even around. And, it's gonna be interesting. And if he was even if all this, all these distractions were away, he's still 30 years old and has been worked hard. Like running back years, he's an old 30. He might be able to do it for another year, or he may not. So if you look at Miami, this was a golden chance to really jump up and try to maybe contend for a wild card spot. I don't see them doing that. The Jets are better at quarterback, but they're still at least a year or two from thinking about any sort of playoff. Right? Like it's... It's going to be interesting. So Devontae Parker, that coming out just after 12, that uh, he is gone for an extended period of time with a broken middle finger. You can still vote on our Twitter poll at TSN 1050 Radio at AndyMC81. Which Maple Leaf has the most pressure on them to have a great season? Austin Matthews, John Tavares, Babcock, Dubas, or Frederick Anderson? John Tavares leading the way at 36%. That'll do it until tomorrow for producer Joe Narsa, Steve Eliopoulos. I'm Andy McNamara. You've been listening to Toronto Today. The Scott MacArthur Show is up next. I'll be back with you tomorrow at 11 a.m.